open your copy of God's Word to 1 Peter. I hope that you're in the frame of mind, you have the posture of a student. To be a follower of Jesus is to be a disciple. Disciple means learner, student. And so as you enter into relationship with Jesus, one thing that is assumed, and Peter assumes this, as you're looking at 1 Peter chapter 1 and you're getting yourself there, he assumes that God is teaching every step of the way. One question is, are, are you teachable? Are you learning along the way? Today's message as we are walking through this series, we're about a month into hope in the dark, is it's a big question about what you value. What is saving grace worth to you? What is your salvation to you? Is it something that is kind of a tack on and add on to all the other stuff of your life, all the other things that you have possessed that you've earned and experienced? Or I wonder after today, you'd be able to say something pretty awesome. You'd be able to say, my salvation means more to me now than it ever has before. And if you have your copy of God's Word, if you are ready to dig in, we want to answer this question, when it hurts, when it's hard, when it's dark, are you going to value more and more your salvation? The hope that you have is based in Jesus alone. And you can, you can need to be saved without even recognizing that you're in danger. I, I wonder even this morning, as we think about this, Saved. Saved from what? And salvation isn't a big deal. You don't value salvation unless you see that there is danger. Unless you see that there is trouble. And so, could I give a, for instance, if we were sitting right here minding our own business, right? What if, what if there was a 747 headed this way ready to crash and run into right here into our church? You could be in great danger. You could be in a place where you desperately need to be saved and not even know it. If somebody ran into this room screaming, everybody get out now before it's too late, you would now be notified, I guess I'm in trouble and I didn't even realize it. I guess I need a rescue. I wasn't even aware that a rescue was needed. Well, Peter is talking about a life lived where we are in desperation. We are in need of rescue. And for the most part, most don't even recognize that there's trouble. They don't recognize there's danger ahead. He's talking to the church and he's saying, there is danger in being familiar with the Gospel. Knowing God's Word just enough to be dangerous feeling like you're familiar enough with it that you're not running to it you're not desperate for it you have just enough jesus that you're okay and i wonder in just a few verses if peter would open our eyes to see the most valuable thing in your life the, the thing that you should be clinging to the most that you should see as worth more than anything even even your life is this glorious salvation. So I, I hope we can go from 
uh, maybe a seven to a nine today and notch it up of where you're at and your passion and your love for Jesus and the good news and that we would move forward in our understanding. What's the big deal about salvation? Why is this so important? Why, why would we be willing to give our lives to this salvation? Well, we're about to find out because Peter's going to take us through a tour of the whole Bible. You ready for that? In three verses, he is going to give us a survey of what does the whole of Scripture have to say about this amazing grace? Grace that saves. This big deal that should be a big deal to you. And hopefully after today, it's a bigger deal in your heart and in your mind. So let's get low before the Lord. Father, open our eyes that we would see amazing things from Your Word. God, don't let us grow cold and comfortable. Don't let us go through life coasting. God, we don't want just enough saving grace to squeak on in. God, we want to marvel every day. We want to be blown away by amazing grace. God, would you change our perspective? Would you open our eyes that we would be able to love you more? That we would be able to praise with our lives, our entire lives, we would praise your name because you are worthy of this good news being so valuable to us that we're willing to do anything, go anywhere, even lay down our lives for this salvation. God, make us a church like that. Make us a church that loves the good news, that loves to talk about it, that loves to think on it, that loves to dwell on it and meditate on it and mull it over and spread it as far as wide as we can. God, would you make us a church like that? We pray in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. All God's people said, amen. So what is this big deal? What's saving grace worth to you? Well, here we go. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, jot this down. Did you know, did you know, it's so amazing, it's so spectacular that Did you know the prophets long to see saving grace? If you're there in verse 10 of 1 Peter 1, verse 10, concerning this salvation that we've been talking about, right, for for the past couple weeks, this amazing salvation, saving grace, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace, the grace that was to be yours, they searched and inquired carefully let's just pause there for a second just in verse in verse 10 what what was the attitude of all of the prophets throughout the old testament what was a prophet prophet was an individual that was called by god had a unique calling not everybody was a prophet there was only a handful of them but they had a message given specifically for them to be able to spread to be able to offer hope in time of great need and many times it was it wasn't a great job. Okay, can we be honest about prophets? Most people didn't really enjoy necessarily their role as a prophet. Have you ever had a job where you're like, somebody's got to do this, I guess. I got to be that guy. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe in growing up, you were the one that, well, if, if nobody is willing to step up and like call things out and hold people accountable, and maybe that was you in your family or in your workplace at, at school, 
Well, the reality is the prophet was the one saying, uh, God told me what's right and you're not doing it. So stop doing the wrong. Start doing the right. Okay. Like, stop it. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? And everyone's like, no, I don't get it. Uh, do you know what God wants you to do? Yeah, kind of. Are you willing to do it? Not so much. Okay. I don't know which end you were on of the, the giving side or the receiving side of that. I don't know if you were a rule breaker or a rule follower, but prophets were there for God's voice to be heard of. Run from death and run towards life. And do you know what the prophets that they marveled at, that they were amazed by, this is what they were blown away by. Someday, God is going to rescue people from all nations. They don't even have to be like of a certain tribe. They don't have to be from Israel. They don't have to be of the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That there is going to come a day where even the most godless pagans are going to just be forgiven by grace. Grace is coming. Grace to rescue and save. How crazy is that? That the prophets were like, can you believe this? Can you believe that it's coming soon? Right? To a city, to a nation near you? Because they didn't know what that was like for this message to go to the ends of the earth. Not yet. Turn your neighbor and say, not yet. Not yet. It, it was coming. It was coming. It was coming. But it wasn't happening yet. They searched and inquired so carefully, could this really be? Could this really be that God would offer this kind of grace and it's a grace that saves and it's permanent and they're sealed really this is crazy this is crazy but it doesn't stop there why is saving grace so spectacular why is it so amazing why is this grace so crazy well let's look at the ver the next verse right verse 11 do you see it there inquiring what person or time the spirit of christ in them so that christ was in them at the time and they were inquiring when who when he was predicted that there was going to be suffering that the christ the messiah would suffer but then but then but then everybody say but then here we go here we go but then there's subsequent glories suffering then glory suffering then glory suffering then glory when is it going to happen? Who is it going to be? Do you believe that since chapter 3 of the Bible, Genesis 3 talks about that Satan is going to be able to nibble a little bit at the heel of the Messiah, but one is going to come. The Messiah is going to crush the head of the serpent. The Gospel, the good news, is in Genesis 3.15. This is from the very beginning all the way through all these pages and guess what was happening they're anticipating is the messiah coming is he coming well where is he going to be born and and they're looking at and they're listening to god and getting a little glimpse and a little bit more uh, of a a little window to be able to listen in and to be able to hear who is he where will he come will it be in our lifetime what what if we're going to have the messiah what if he was going to be born in our home what if, what if it's going to be happening in the next years are we prepared for that they were overwhelmed by the reality he's coming he's coming soon and there's predictions how many predictions in the old testament was there that jesus was going to arrive that jesus was going to be the messiah i'm so glad you asked 
Thank you for your inquisitive mind. Here we go. 456 times in the Old Testament alone. Do you think maybe there was a, a few predictions? There was a few prophecies? The Messiah is going to come. This is where. This is how. This is what He's going to be like. And they got it so wrong. Do you ever feel like that sometimes? I'm like, I feel like I should have enough information to make a decision, but I, I keep screwing it up. I keep failing. Well, throughout the history, thousands of years of all of these little glimpses of prophecy and clarity, 456, they still didn't see Him or recognize Him when He came. That's not good news. God wants us to see Him for who He is and to know Him and to be able to have our eyes opened. But what does that say about human nature? What does that say about the trouble that we're in? We're in trouble when even God's showing up in the flesh and we don't recognize Him. We don't see Him. We've often said, if God would just show up and if you would just talk to me, and, and so many of us have had stories of like, I, I just want to see Him. I want to hear Him. And the reality is, He showed up and we still rejected Him. He was right in front of us and we pushed Him away. Even if God shows up physically, we don't receive Him. We don't embrace Him. May God blow us away that our hard hearts would be so softened and so obliterated by the grace that opens our eyes so we can see what's actually there, that we can receive Him at His offer. I, I love this. I love this. Here are two areas of prophecy that were proclaimed, okay? Out of these 456, you can mark these down. Here's two categories, right? Two aspects of the Messiah. What was predicted about Jesus? What was predicted about the Messiah? Here we go. Here we go. The first thing was the Messiah may not be coming, they realized, in the way that we thought he is going to be a Messiah that would suffer. The reason that it was such a struggle to be able to see him for who he was is because, well, the king's coming. How does a king show up to town? How does a king live his life? What does a king do for his people? He takes the suffering away, right? He's able to destroy all of the evil and wrong. But instead, hundreds of times we are told in Psalm 22, Psalm 69, Isaiah 53, Daniel 9, Zechariah 12 and 13. Just, that's just a few. Nudge your neighbor and say that's just a few. Okay, You're welcome if you want to do some homework this week. All right, I, I probably shouldn't say homework. That's kind of a curse word, right? Um, that is your exciting discipleship project for the week is to be able to look up all of these chapters, okay? And it's so awesome to see the Messiah. He came, but He came to suffer. And even 700 years before Jesus came, these are some of Isaiah's words in Isaiah 53. Anybody familiar with Isaiah 53? This is the chapter that so clearly, out of any other chapter in the Old Testament, depicts what Jesus, what the Messiah is going to be like. And to this day, any Jew that you talk to, if you say, let's sit down and let's read through Isaiah 53, for the most part, they'll say, we don't read that chapter. We don't, we don't go there. Because it is so absolutely clear of who this prophesied king 
was. And they would have to be forced to realize he did come. And we killed him. Isaiah 53. Here's a little snapshot. Everybody ready? Everybody say ready. There we go. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes, we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity, the rebellion, the sin of us all. He was beaten, bruised, he was destroyed, he was tortured for us. It was prophesied, we knew it was coming, and when it came, we didn't want to believe it. But here's the the better side of the news. The Messiah wouldn't just suffer, if you want to write this down, the Messiah would triumph. He would triumph. Isaiah 9, I don't know if you have that written down. Isaiah 9, Daniel 2, Daniel 7, Zechariah 2, Zechariah 14. There would be victory. There would be triumph when the Messiah comes and he was predicted. And can we clarify one thing? Who predicted it in the prophets? What does verse 11 say? Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ, Christ in them, was indicating when he, Christ, predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Everybody is... Mind blown yet? So Jesus was actually at work in his prophets to prophesy about himself and to be able to tell everybody about it. Jesus shows up in the hearts and the minds of his prophets to speak about himself. So what was he going to triumph over? He wasn't just going to suffer, but he was going to have victory over what? Over sin? The effects of sin? The impact of sin? Do you know what your biggest problem is? Do you know what my biggest problem in the world is? This is one thing that the world cannot be honest about. Our biggest issue is sin. Our biggest problem in life is sin. Our biggest problem isn't what's been done to us. Our problem is not our failures and regrets of the past. Our biggest problem is not financial. Our biggest problem is not emotional. It's not mental. Our biggest issue, and we don't want to believe this, Our biggest issue is us. Sin within us. Well, if I would just have a little bit more money and my life would be a little bit different and maybe if I was related to some different people or maybe if my body or my mind was in a different place and condition, the reality is sin is the problem. Here's the good news. Sin has been dealt with. This Messiah has triumphed over sin, over Satan. All of the fears that we have about the evil one, about the works of the devil, about all of the darkness that's around us has been dealt with. That Jesus struck the death blow. He has dealt with sin. He's dealt with Satan. And He has already overcome the world. I don't know about you, but that's really, really good news that we're tempted to... Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, Gospel, Jesus, cross, yawn, yawn. The greatest threat sometimes to the church is that we're bored by the realities that should rock us to the core. It should overwhelm us to a place of awe and wonder and worship and praise, and instead, we're indifferent. Everybody see that's a problem. It's a huge problem, a huge problem that 
We all have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Heard it before. But the prophets, they long to see this. Jesus predicted this. What else? Number three, if you're taking notes. Did you know, did you know, did you know the prophets served us in saving grace? The prophets served us. Verse 12, do you see it? It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves. Lift up your voice and say not themselves. It, it wasn't even about them, but it was who? But, but you. It was about you. They revealed Jesus for your sake. How awesome is that? That for thousands of years that God would raise up people that were thinking about you. Thinking about the church. They need to know. They need to know this. They have to know. This is such good news. And the things that had been announced to you through those who preached the good news. So all throughout the Old Testament, the prophets had their part to play that the good news was going to be proclaimed and it was going to be carried on through and it was not going to be lost and that it was going to go not just to God's people, Israel. It was going to go to the ends of the earth, to all nations so that we could stand in awe and wonder. That's, that's pretty spectacular. I, I don't know what you get excited about, but thinking about all of history is pointing to this one thing, that good news would be offered, good news would actually show up, good news would show up at our doorstep, that we would receive it. All of history was running towards this goal that the Messiah would accomplish His work. That is pretty awesome. So what, what's all of history about? It's all history about uh, just really messed up people and countries and a bunch of wars and yawn, yawn, yawn. I don't, I don't know if you fall asleep in uh, history class uh, throughout the years in school. Uh, maybe you turn on the History Channel to get a good nap in. Maybe this afternoon you're going to hit History Channel and uh, kick back in the recliner. But here's the reality. We know, as Christians, we know this one thing. All of history was about Jesus. Everything. We're not just talking about, well, that's Bible history and that's spiritual side. No. All of history, period, is about Him and the good news that was traveling all the way through the corridors of time to show up for you. That's pretty wild, right? That's what all of history is about. It's His story, right? That's what history is. And it should lead us to worship, to be blown away Number four, jot this down. Did you know, did you know that the Holy Spirit brings saving grace to us? You see it there? These things that have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you, how do they do it? How do people preach the gospel? By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So Peter highlights the value of salvation. He says that you should be blown away by this salvation and he tells us here that the Holy Spirit left heaven, ensured that good news would be proclaimed, would be preached. How crazy is it? Okay, so I, I don't know if you're paying attention. Welcome if you've been taking a nap. And what needs to happen is you need to embrace this reality. Every time the gospel is preached, this is crazy. It's like the Holy Spirit sent from heaven working through a human being to proclaim good news. It's, it's a message from heaven. Isn't that wild? So every time you and I, we open our mouths 
and we just say what God has said and we pass on good news, do you realize what kind of powerful, supernatural thing is happening in that moment? Well, I don't know if I said it right and they didn't really listen and they didn't respond and I tried to explain it to them. For some of us, we've sat with little children and we're, we're trying to teach on the good news and do a Bible lesson. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. There is something heavenly happening. This is wild. That heaven is opening, that the Spirit is sent, that we're just saying words, but they're not just any words. They're the words of life. They're the only words that offer hope. They're the only, it's the only message that can take somebody from death to life. And who does God choose? He chose prophets, Christ Himself inside all of these men throughout history. It showed up in the New Testament where now you have an entire thing called the church where people are rising up filled with the Spirit and a heavenly message is coming out of everyday people's mouths. Church, when did we grow cold to the Gospel? When did we get bored with the good news? There is something that is earth-shattering. There is something that is heaven-opening when good news is spread. And God is saying, I want you to open your mouth. You're not responsible for the results, but heaven's going to open up and the Spirit is going to fill you and speak through you. Would you just be willing? Would you just be willing to open your mouth and say what He already said? Just pass on the message. What What do we often say? Hey, don't shoot the messenger, okay? Don't shoot the messenger. The reality is, you may not get the responses that you desire, but do know that something wild is happening every time a human being opens their mouth and speaks good news of Jesus that has come to save, that has come to rescue, that has come to pardon and forgive. This is something that is worth everything. And how about this? Number five. Number five. Did you know? Did you know? And I love this. This is our very last point. Everybody say, land the plane. Here we go. Why, why is saving grace so spectacular? Why is the gospel message so, so worth our entire lives? Well, here's a glimpse. Did you know that the angels long to understand saving grace? Did you know? How does verse 12 end? All of this salvation... These are things into which angels long to look. Angels. Angels. Heavenly warriors. That we would say, man, angel. every time an angel shows up, what happens, right? All throughout Scripture, every time an angel shows up, people are like dropping to the ground like they're dead. They're horrified. Some of them, their heart probably did realistically stop in that moment. When you have a 20-foot monster of light with a flaming sword show up, right? In your living room, something happens that you will never forget. And these angels, what do they do? They lean in. They're curious. Their hearts long to understand, how is this possible that our King would forgive fallen creatures like this? Individuals that have so rejected 
Because what do the angels know? We're talking about heavenly angels of light. What do they know? They know what happened to a third of their cousins, right? Their, their buddies are now, are now angels of darkness. They are now demons. They know what happens when you rebel, when you turn your back on the king, when you shake your fist at Almighty God. And here we have angels. How is it possible that God could forgive them? How is it possible that grace is so amazing? How is this possible that, that our God could take that that is so old and dead and hard and make it brand new? This is wild to the angels. Is it wild to you? Is it unbelievable that, that good news would come to you? And I think... We are so casual with something that is so supernatural. We are so casual with that which is the only answer while we're shopping around for other cures and other solutions and other answers in the world when we already have it right here. And I just want to close with this. As the worship team comes up, I, I, wonder, I wonder how horrifying it would be. What if Peter, what if, what if, what if, what if Peter showed up, came to your house, and said, do you know what you have sitting on your shelf, on your table? That whole book is a book of good news. That is the book that describes the good news and clarifies the good news. Peter would be like, I didn't even have the whole thing in my day. We were still writing it, right? Right? What we're reading right now is in the works. It wasn't even finished yet. And he's like, you have the whole thing. You have all of it. You have the whole story of good news, of saving grace. And he's like, don't you love it? And What if your response is like, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't really read it all the way through yet. What do you think Peter would say? And Peter's just a dude, right? You have the most valuable thing in the universe and it's dusty? You have the most valuable words and you don't read them? I don't know what 2023 is going to look like for you, but what if it's a year where we are blown away by the things that are worthy of being blown away by? What if 2023 is a year that we say, I'm so done with frivolous things with being so consumed about what people think of me and what I look like and what I drive and and all the things I spend my money and my time on when I can acknowledge every single day he's given me good news to devour to savor to love to think on all day long the message that I get to pass on that changes lives I don't know about you but I, I want to be a church where we love good news we are willing to take risks and do radical things for the name of the saving grace being passed on that we do whatever it takes to know these words to understand them to be able to teach them that we that we value what's actually valuable let's stand together and let's pray father
Today, you're calling us once again to love what you love. God, don't let us waste our lives. Don't let us waste any more time. There's nowhere else we can go to find words of eternal life. We've already found them. God, You wrote a book. You've given us Your good news. God, I pray if there's one person here that has not received it, that there's somebody this morning that has been around church and been around religion and has flirted a little bit with this good news, but has not embraced it as their only hope that today would be that day. That there would be full surrender. Jesus, You you committed all throughout history to come. And You have come. And Jesus, when You came, You lived a perfect life. That's what was required of us. You did it for us on our behalf. You obeyed when we could not. Thank You, Jesus. And Jesus, You went to the cross even begging if there was a different way, if there was another path. And You were slaughtered, tortured for us. You died the death that we very much deserved. And Jesus, You rose again victorious over sin and Satan and this world system. You are victorious. You are triumphant. There's nothing that can stop You. You are bigger and greater than everything. For You created everything with Your very words. Thank You, Jesus, that there is hope that we can rise again. We can experience resurrection. Not because of the good that we have done, but because You are so good and You are so powerful. God, may we be a church that receives the good news and loves to spread the Gospel everywhere we go, even if we're scared, even if we don't know the responses. God, that You would compel us because we love the good news. We love the words that we find on every page of Your book. And we value and treasure them. God, change our hearts that we would value what matters most. You are worthy. The good news is worthy of our lives. Our commitment. So send us this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.